Hi, welcome to Swirls Got You Covered. Today we're talking to speech pathologist and author Meg Raby. Her book, My Brother Otto, is a great introduction to acceptance and normalizing interactions with children that may at first seem different. Today we're chatting about autism, speech and communication and whether being in the water can help. Lovely to have you here with us today, Meg. To start off, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Yes. Um, So I'm a speech and language pathologist with kiddos that are on the autism spectrum. And I'm also a children's book reviewer and author of an autism awareness picture book called My Brother Otto. Um, And then I also like to call myself an autism advocate. And I have definitely dedicated substantial time to that as well. So through your work, you advocate for understanding and acceptance of people with autism. Why is this so important to you? Honestly, so because I'm such a huge believer that everyone needs to feel like they belong. Um, that's that's the driving thing for me. It's like ex- the acceptance and inclusion and the belonging. Um, I think there's nothing worse than loneliness. So that would be at the way top. That's the quick answer. And then the longer answer is that I think there's um, a lot of misunderstandings when it comes to autism spectrum disorders. Uh, Like when I studied autism in undergrad, like I could list off the red flags of autism and I could write a really, I call it a really mean or really thorough paper on autism. Um, and kind of develop this attitude of like, oh, I know what autism is and I can carry on a conversation about it, but I had not even interacted with anyone or like knew, I wasn't even cognizant that I had interacted with anyone on the autism spectrum. And so it was the year between undergrad and graduate school that I got to be a personal care assistant um, with a teenage boy. Uh, an autistic teenage boy who was probably, I think he was just 13 at the time. And right away when I was getting like trained and told like what kind of activities to do with him, they were like, and be careful, he's very aggressive. And I remember that, like that term aggress- aggressive just stood out to me. And so the first few times hanging out with him, I remember just kind of being on alert of like, okay, this kid, like kind of thinking in my head, he's autistic and aggressive. And those two terms just like really stuck out to me and like, unfortunately had paired negative connotations with that. But then I saw this, this kid, um, and not even one time did he aggress toward me. I would see him do it maybe with some of his family members when he would get upset and I was just like, oh, guys, he's just he's just communicating like he's he's upset and um, something's wrong. Like we got to figure out, like, what does this kid need? And uh, I, I developed quite affections for him and he for me. And um, he really propelled me forward and wanting to kind of like dedicate a huge part of my life to autism advocacy and making sure I'm always hands on deck with kids and adults on the autism spectrum and their families. 
So I, that would be the longer answer. <laughs> but that, uh, for me, I mean, that's what it's about, isn't it? It's, it's learning the, how to communicate with a child. And if that one person can click with your child, it can make a massive difference to understanding, to get to getting them to engage, just mm-hmm. to, uh, to having them you know there's a there's a boy um at the boys school and every day he walks past and he stops and he chats to me and his his father apologized the other day and I think it's something like he just tells me what um Henry's done for the day or how much he's been jumping around the playground and his father apologized I said why but he's communicating and that's that's really nice and it's you know if that's he'd walked out one day and he was in a rage and then when he stopped and he chatted to me and his mum said, oh, he just he just clicked off then. I was like, yeah, but if I can, if if we can each make a change mm-hmm. and if someone stopping and chatting to a child or understanding can make the difference between them being raged and angry, <laughs> then, then we should do it. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. there's my ramblings. So... <laughs> What's that makes total sense. Yeah. What what can society do you think society can do to to ensure that everyone is totally inclusive? I and I, I know in the United States I know that autism awareness in general has increased and that's exciting and we should celebrate that. Um because I do believe that the awareness is where you start. Um you have to be aware there's something out there called autism and uh, being able to pick up on when you maybe possible peers or people at the park or at a restaurant or grocery shopping. Um, they might most likely you're, you are going to run into someone that's on the autism spectrum. So I think that awareness of autism is key to start with, but you definitely can't stop there because it's just like, noticing that there's avocados growing on the tree but you're not going to actually enjoy the avocados if they just stay on the tree and you don't interact with them so um this and this might be my biasy but i think that it starts at the home and what the parents value and what they model to the kids is what your kids get excited about. So I think bringing home books, bringing home videos, or um, fostering different interactions with kiddos. Like if the parents are aware, like, oh, our neighbor, you know, little little Susie, um, I, I think she's on the autism spectrum. Let's um, be in, make sure we don't leave her out and let's figure out how we can, um, yeah, just have fun together. And I think if parents prioritize that in the home, then inclusion can totally and wonderfully happen that way. And then um, after, so we have the awareness and then the acceptance. And then after the acceptance, yeah, that's where I think the understanding, it's like when you understand someone you have you develop that empathy like you were talking about a little bit earlier and that empathy then yeah it puts you kind of on the same level of like I have feelings as a human being they have feelings I have likes they have likes 
Um, my mom and dad interacted with neighbor Susie. I can act, interact with neighbor Susie. And I think that all those pieces go together to help shape inclusion. Um, obviously, I also believe in the classroom. This should be something that is talked about. Um, we should even give the label autism to our kids and explain exactly what autism is. Um, not be not be scared of the label, but learn about it. And then I love, I don't know if you guys have heard of Culture City over here in the States. Culture City, they're in Birmingham, Alabama. They're awesome. They're a nonprofit. And their whole mission is um, making events like concerts in the airports, everything very inclusive. So that you'll see their little symbol are noise-canceling headphones with a heart in the middle. And so at different airports and stuff, you'll see that symbol and you'll see that they provide little bags that might have the headphones in it or little fidget toys or um, just other sensory needs that might be in that bag. And I, that's like their whole mission is to make it so that like it's not that, oh, if you're autistic and you don't like noise, then there's no room for you, you know, at this concert because it's going to be too loud for you. And instead it's like, no, we want you. And look, we even have made it possible for you to come and enjoy it. So I think all of those things together shape the way to a more inclusive world. So, yeah, hopefully that wasn't too rambling. <laughs> Not no. at all. No, it's, it's just nice to hear things like that I think as yeah. a parent um, definitely encapsulates what we do with our own children I love that for sure yeah. yes so as you know Meg part of our mission is to get people into swimming and to particularly offer support to the autism community in terms of access to swimming lessons and appropriate um, learn to swim programs as a speech and language pathologist, you would see daily the struggles that some children have with communication. What mm -hmm. tips or thoughts would you give to teachers and swim instructors about finding different ways to communicate? Mm -hmm. First, I should just say I love this question because I think it's just respectful that you have even raised that type of a question thinking about the kids that you're working with that are autistic, like thinking, how can I best communicate with him? I just think that that's like the most beautiful disposition you can possibly have. Um, so I always like to say that if you're going to be teaching something to first start off making sure their sensory needs are met um, so that they can even, so they feel grounded and that they can even take on the communication attempts that are about to happen. Um, so deep squeezes, a fidget, jumping, swinging. If you're, I don't know if there is a swing next to the pool, but that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know, just playing with their hands in the water, something like that to, again, help them feel calm and present and grounded and like their sensory needs are met is very important. Um, and then we do know that um, autistic children and adults are very visual. So I'm sure you guys have heard of using like visual supports before. I know it's very common in speech therapy to like sequence things using pictures um, that breaks down what is being asked. So um, what's great is you can even use like Google images and type in like child standing next to pool and you'll lo and behold, find a picture. And so you can just type up the sequence 
and Google print out those pictures on different cards and break up um, what's required step by step. And so that's something like the visuals, again, are very effective. And then another thing that we know is that video modeling. So like it's pretty much watching what's expected in a video by watching a video. So if you have like the teacher even demonstrating like what you're going, what they're going to be doing, it gives them that visual to know like, okay, like, oh, my teacher did that. And now I'm going to do that. And I'm going to follow along what she did. And they're going to imitate that. And that can give them, that just increases their receptive language skills. So like what they're understanding, um, and I think I've already said this, but like just focusing on splitting up the various steps can be incredibly helpful and not expecting them just to see something one time and to be able to just take off. Like even we want to praise, say a kid doesn't even like to touch water. So like we're kind of entering into the OT <laughs> area, but if we can get them excited about, you know, getting their fingers in the water and playing within their toes and just stopping it there. Like even for the day, that's a victory. And I think that that is key to celebrate and not to get so caught up in the ending of like, they did the breaststroke or something like that. Um, but yes, yeah, so those visuals and the patience and the repetitions, I think would be great places to start. Yeah, that the other day, weren't we Steph, about celebrating this, the, the, the small wins that are there. Well, actually, I say small wins. Some of them are big wins. They might seem like a small thing yeah. to someone else. But, you know, the fact that a child might put their lips in the water to try and blow bubbles could be absolutely huge. huge. And in some ways, a lot of the time, that's a bigger victory than being able to swim across the pool. Right. Just overcoming that. Um, for, for, for anyone who is listening and interested in any of the... Um, visual aids available to swim teachers there's some really good visual aids available from autism swim and also from swim picks so if anybody's looking for that sort of thing they are available and we will put links up afterwards i think that everyone in general can learn about supporting people who may struggle with communication delays i think that it's definitely a important to realize that not again not not every kid or adult that's autistic is going to look the same as far as their receptive language skills so what they understand and their expressive language skills um what they express um but it can be one of the first little clues into that a kid might have autism for example if they are not pointing by the age of like 18 months and they're not doing that kind of frequently, that can be a little something that we want to watch to see um, if that emerges and to see for it. We're looking for what's called joint attention. We're looking for that shared enjoyment, social piece um, of the kiddo. And we also want to see the babbling and the first words developing and all of that. However, I think there's a misconception also that if your kid, if your kiddo is not speaking, um, that that might mean their cognition is lower. And while that can be sometimes because autism can, you can have a co-diagnosis, a comorbid diagnosis with it. Um, that's not always the case that you can have kids that are nonverbal and able to follow every instruction you say and able to um, communicate 
using all the other many facets of communication. So, um, yeah, so body language, facial expressions, um, the visual. So some kids will use little cards called the picture exchange communication system. Others will use tablets um, and different augmentative and alternative communication devices like the tablet to communicate. Um, and I think, again, the visuals are what are so important if the communication partner, like if you or I are speaking to someone, like especially um, to kiddos that are autistic, we want to just make sure they're understanding our message. And so, you know, it's like you wouldn't go up to someone that speaks Chinese and I'm speaking English. And unfortunately, I don't know Chinese. I really wish I did. Um, but that's not going to be effective communication. We got to learn how to speak the same language and be respectful of that language. And I think that that is key when it comes to communication with yeah, children and ad- autistic children and adults. Would you, would you say it's fair that some parents can get a little bit hung up on having that verbal communication back from their child? Mm. Yeah, um, that's a good, that's a very relevant question. Um, I definitely don't want to negate that desire. Um Cause there is something there for sure. Like hearing your child say, mommy, you know, daddy, um, it means a lot, but we do know there's, there's no way to say this kid is nonverbal right now. They will not ever be speaking. And there's no magic formula to get a child speaking. Um, and I've had some parents come to me and say like, like, you know, we like to ask what's your primary goal. And sometimes it will be, I want my child to speak. And it's, I, I, I feel for them because I get it. Um, and I would never say that the child won't because I've even worked with kiddos that have been nonverbal. And then at 12 years old are starting to sing this song called Head, Shoulders, Knees and Toes Out Loud with me. And he, that, that specific kiddo, yeah, never said a single word before. And could all of a sudden sing this whole song. So it's not a very, I hope it's a hopeful response, but also like accepting where your child is at can, I think the acceptance of autism in general for the parent, and you guys can correct me because I know you're both parents. Um, you really do see an impact on the kids and you'll see them develop skills probably would not have otherwise develop if the parents were not all hands on deck of like kind of celebrating the autism, even though, yes, there can be hardships that come with that diagnosis, but like being like, that is my son. That's my son, Otto. And he's autistic and he can't talk, but you know what he can do? And like focusing on that, and yeah, never saying never either. I think, I think you hit it right there. I mean, it resonates probably both with Steph and I. Um, Henry is pretty much nonverbal unless he wants something, um, and then he can tell you whatever. Um, or unless it's pirates. Or unless it's pirates, yeah. But I mean, he was 18 months old, and, and 
doing something stupid like 200 piece puzzles and just nailing them out and you that's awesome and I think it took me a while to kind of not accept but I suppose it is accept and just be like do you know what? yeah he doesn't he doesn't talk but the kid can tell you about uh Pythagoras' theorem and um and nail puzzles quicker than me so you know it's not all that bad is it and there's there's lots of things isn't there Steph I mean Elijah I used just to get... astounds me with I think he came round one day and he said to me I just love him to pieces he said to me um Rach um let's let's play a really fun game I'm like oh, okay what should we play and he's like right I'm gonna tell you what was it like the number on the periodic table yeah and and you tell me the atomic mass and I just sat there and I was like um, terrible science <laughs> right kids so you're five <laughs> so let's wait shall, shall, shall we shall we play it another way shall I tell you the number and then you tell me the mass and he's like oh yeah okay and I sat there and I was just blown away that I could say you know I can't even tell you now, but, you know, what's number 35? And he'd go, da-da-da. And then he'd tell me the the weight and the mass. or and, and you just sit there and you're like, am I really having these conversations with a child that's, you know, four or five years old? Um. <laughs> but then I remember when we couldn't have a conversation. You know, I remember when you'd ask him, would you like a drink? And he would either list the things that he did know from his special interests or just repeat the question back to us Mm. so we'd say would you like a drink and all I'd get back was would you like a drink yeah um and I, I got so hung up about it at the time that he couldn't answer these basic what I thought were basic questions um and I I really didn't appreciate that actually just by repeating it back to me or by listing the things that he did know he was still communicating with me Mm -hmm. and I definitely looking back I definitely appreciate that more now Mm. but stuck in the moment it was definitely hard yeah and I think I would like to clarify that like definitely feel those emotions I don't want to be someone that would say, oh, like immediately, like your child receives a diagnosis of autism. It's okay if you feel anxiety and you have to go through a process with those emotions. Um, My caveat to that would just be just don't stay there and fight very hard to get to a place of total um, acceptance and finding the joy that really is there. So just to clarify, I don't ever want to come across as someone that's like, you feel no. sad or something like, don't feel sad. That's wrong. Totally not my personality. Feel sad. Get the support you need. Talk with people and then fight like no another because that does have an effect on your kid's life and their progress. Yeah. And, and love to know is, dad are proud of them and are excited and happy with them, too. Uh, your book, My Brother Otto, is such a lovely illustrated book and highlights to children the importance of being different. What was your drive behind writing this book? Yeah, much like I stated in the beginning of our discussion, I think the motivation driving it is a genuine love 
for the autism community, the autistic kids I've worked with, some autistic adults I've befriended. Um, and I want the youngest of readers and learners to be able to understand that, you know, a crow or a kid spinning a pipe cleaner in his room is still a kid and um, wants to have fun and be loved and you and that you can also have fun and love feel loved from that person as well. So I think that that was a huge motivating piece, kind of debunking some of the myths or stereotypes that go along with autism. I think sometimes people equate, which they'll equate maybe antisocial with autism. And I think that that couldn't be further from the truth. I think there's a social, there can be social deficits like um, that you might need to learn different tools on how to interact and initiate and to um, work with peers or family members. But it that drive is there, that need to be loved, that need to have companionship and shared fun, that's there. So I think that is a big motivator behind it. And then I, I like to share why so the crow is named Otto and the crow is named Otto because I, I still can't believe that like I was three and a half years old and I totally remember this blonde haired boy in my preschool class just hanging out on the sides with I don't even know if they were a pair I went to a small little private school in preschool um but I would always just you know throughout the day just stop and just watch him but he'd always be with the teacher, like that one-on-one aide. And I remember they would just say, oh, he learns differently. Um, like, he he's okay. Kind of like, you know, like just kind of like appeasing the, <laughs> the scenario. And they were doing, I think they were trying their best at that point to figure out how to, how to make this kid feel a part of the classroom. Um, And I think like anything in life, there was just room for improvement. And so I remember just being like reflecting on like, well, why if they would have just told me, you know, this kid, you know, he has autism and he he did this a lot. He would flap his hands, but it would be more like a wrist flick that he would do. And if they would talk about like that you know, that makes him feel calm and happy or that's what he likes to do. And then maybe like, I can come over there and do that with him. Like, I just feel like I missed out on getting to experience who Otto is and including him. So I feel like this is my tribute back to him. I have no idea like where he lives. I don't know anything about him. I just knew him at three, at the age of like three and a half, but his name I felt like was an appropriate name for the main character in the in the book and hopefully the series <laughs> oh I but, just love you to find him now oh I know I know <laughs> that would I be amazing I know I don't know maybe my mom we can brainstorm that like she remembers his first name as well but yeah I'm sure would, the power of the internet can help you oh that would be lovely <laughs> so Steph and I have seen the positive effects that water can have in fulfilling sensory needs, sometimes in a way that allows a child to verbalise more easily or to communicate. Have um, 
you been able to experience or witness this with your role as a speech pathologist? Yes. So I I have not personally seen seen this um, in action, but I do know um, I'm now in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I was in Wilmington, Delaware for like two years and I was working at the children's hospital, a big children's hospital out there. And I know that toward the time where I was leaving, they were starting to bring kids into the pool to do like speech therapy, occupational therapy. And um, I know that there was a lot of excitement around it, but I actually feel like, yeah, I need to learn from you guys and hear more about the benefits. Cause like, it makes total sense to me of all the sensory input that they'll simultaneously be getting while also targeting whatever language or speech goals they have. Um, it seems like a genius idea and I'm glad that people are starting to do that. And maybe who knows, maybe next summer here in Utah, I can start doing that with some of the kiddos I work with, but yeah, I would like to hear, I guess, more from you on that. It's definitely, um, it's definitely something that we've, We've both seen firsthand. I mean, I've seen it in my role as a swim teacher and very specifically, um, I've been lucky enough to be Henry's swim teacher, Rachel's oldest son. And he's had days in the pool where he's he's repeated back what we're doing. Um, he's matched up the words with the actions, hasn't he, Rachel? Yeah. Um, you I know, mean, we've all been down- smooth sailing. Def- definitely not but then there's been there's been a lot of wins there as well um very quickly he established that after we ran through how to get in the pool safely he would put his hands to one side he would say hands um because that was the first step and when we teach or when I teach breaststroke um I teach it very methodically and I think because of that, I have a huge success teaching breaststroke with with children that have autism. I don't know how any other teachers out there feel about that. But I teach it with the words bend, star, snap. And I'm always getting those words said back to me and matching them up with the actions quite consistently, even with children that, you know, are classified as non-verbal that's awesome so it sounds like you're pretty on board with the idea of speech and communication therapies being undertaken in the pool yeah oh absolutely I think what you just described is exactly what a speech therapist should be doing in general in the pool is like breaking it up into steps the repetition um it's like you're painting a, a script for them and giving them, I like that you're being very methodical about it because that gives them the confidence then to know like when I get to the pool, I do A, B, and C and like that's empowering them. So totally love what you're doing. Um, Thank you. Um, I I wouldn't have been able to do any of that. I have to give a big shout out to Autism Swim here because they definitely gave me the tools. Um, Their course was absolutely amazing. And for anyone out there who who wants to work with autistic children in the pool, um, their course to become approved, it's not just open to swim teachers, it's open to therapists too. So mm-hmm. I definitely encourage people to to look into it. I need to look into it. 
It's been great chatting to you today, Meg. For anyone listening that wants to get hold of Meg's book, My Brother Otto, we will put links in our bio or you can go to Amazon. Part of our mission at Swirl Global is to build a community where we can signpost and inform. We also sell sensory appropriate swimming aids. Check out our website at www.swirlglobal.com. Mm-hmm.